Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Please welcome Pastor Don and Robin as they're joining us today and as they come to share the word. We honor you. We thank God for your 18 years and for being our family here. We love you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's so. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's so kind of you. Thank you, Faith Assembly family. We see so many we recognize, and it's like coming home. Mm-hmm. And we see so many we don't recognize, and that's such a good, good thing. You know, when Malachi says, I think it's 3 6, I, the Lord, changeth not. We know that God never changes, but we change. People have been so kind and said, You haven't changed a bit. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) You have. (laughs) Change is wonderful. Can you say that with me? Change is wonderful. Do you mean that? Do you mean that? I commend you on the changes. You know, when we came in 1989, there was a piano and an organ. And boy, I would jam on that organ, and Tim Ride would crank up that piano. It was awesome, wonderful, wonderful days. But things change. We uh, aren't driving the same car that we drove in 1989. Yeah, Yeah, that minivan (laughs) with the wood paneling. (laughs) We've changed. Change is wonderful. You know what? Just like a family reunion, each time you go, You talk about those that aren't there. And I think about those that have gone before us, whose faces we're not seeing because they're worshiping at the feet of Jesus. You know what? The church is for the children and our grandchildren. And I commend you, Pastor Jason, for having the vision to change. I want a church where my grandchildren are going to want to go to. And I had to give up that piano and organ. And I still sing some of these same songs in my private devotion time, but we have to change. Let's say it again. Change is wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) She's ramping it up now. I commend you, Faith Assembly, for your leadership who has received the vision for your board, who has run with it for the wonderful changes that are happening. They're good changes. Mm. And God, the best is yet to come. God does not change, but we have to. We have to. So it's a joy to be home. We love you, family. Oh, you're done? Okay. (laughs) She said I'm done. 
Uh, she's right. It, it changes all around us. Uh, it, it's inevitable. Uh, you'll either change with change or you'll get mowed over by change, but change is inevitable. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing jeans on the platform. There was a time in my ministry where I would have been disqualified to stand on my own platform had I dressed in jeans, but, but changes come. Yeah, this is, is this the first time I've preached in jeans? So uh, my, my secretary sends out a little questionnaire and, and communicates with the office to find out what the expectations are because you never want to show up and really be way different than everybody else. And, uh, and when we saw the, the description casual, and I said to Rob, what does that mean? Uh, what, what, what should I do? And so... Um, I packed jeans, two pair of jeans, by the way, just, you know, I, I couldn't come to a decision. And, uh, uh, and she goes, are you really going to wear jeans? Yeah, I am. <laughs> right, there we go. Yeah, we have to understand the difference between our values and our preferences. And, uh, you know, as far as I know in the Bible... Uh, Jesus never said, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and wear a tie to church on Sunday. I, I, it's okay if that's, if that's what you want to do, but, but thank the Lord. Uh, it, it's important for us to, to know what's essential and what's optional and those kinds of pieces. Uh, this morning we're going to get into the Word, but before we do that, I just want to celebrate your pastor, Pastor Jason and Jody are just some of the best people on the face of the earth, aren't they? I, I'll tell you, love them and so appreciate them. You know, uh, we, we often reflect back those, those years ago when uh, uh, we brought uh, Jason and Jody on staff with us, and, and I always said uh, that Jason was, Pastor Jason was out of the box ready. Uh, you just open up the box and, and he was ready to do ministry and, and uh, uh, Jody what a, what a tremendous uh, couple and, and partnership you guys have and we are so proud of you and I, I mean I, I hope that doesn't sound condescending but we're just so proud of you and what the Lord what you've allowed the Lord to do through your life and it's been it's been uh, consistent so uh, we, we celebrate with you these 40 years and 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 it's so good to see uh, so many of you. God bless you guys. So good to see people who were here, Don and Helen, were here cutting the grass when we first arrived back in 1989, and, and uh, just part of the, uh, and we see several others. Once you start naming names, now uh, you're in trouble. But um, uh, thank you uh, all for being here today. It's good to see you. And, and the people that we're really, really glad to see are the people we don't know. Because it means that the church is continuing to reach out. The church continues to embrace and, and resonate with folks. And that's, that's what we're all about. And so uh, we're going to look into the Word this morning. John chapter 1, verse 29. The title of my message is Missionally Focused, Spiritually Empowered. Uh, it's a two-point sermon. Somebody told me this morning in first service, I messed up their world. They were waiting for the third point, and it never came. And so we, we have two points, and, and, and I know, and I shared with that person, I said, you know, I've been to churches, uh, I've been, I'm in a different church every week. And um, I said, I've been to some churches, and they're the one-point sermon, and I've been to some churches, and there was a no-point sermon. I have no idea why. 
<laughs> a little preacher humor. Okay, well, that's what we do. It's John chapter 1, verse 29. Would you kindly stand with me as we honor God's word in its reading today? The next day, John, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him. And here's what John said Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who is preferred before me because he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained on him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified, this is the Son of God. Wow. Lord, this morning, plant your word in our heart. Let it grow. Let it bring fruit forward. And I pray that, Lord, we'll touch many souls through this collective church family. When we leave here, we'll go out and, and we'll be able to testify along with John the Baptist. We've found Jesus, the Son of God. you got to come and see. Lord, bless this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. So, John the Baptist, he, he does a rewind, clear back to the, the prophet Isaiah. And he identifies himself as that one that Isaiah prophesied about, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. What, what does that mean? Well, he was a prophet. He was prophetically witnessing and testifying. And we resonate with John's mission. Because we are a voice crying out in our day and in our culture. We're witnesses testifying that this Jesus of Nazareth, he's the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the Messiah. And we're talking about being missional this morning. That's part of our two-part focus, being missional and being empowered. Well, missional has just become one of my favorite words. It talks about purpose. It talks about direction. It talks about what we are and what we should focus on. Missions is not just a, a project or a fund that we contribute to. It's a lifestyle that we live. And it's wonderful today. Missions has, has just blown out the walls in what we're able to do and experience. Who would have ever, who'd have ever thought that we would be traveling to Mexico or that we'd be traveling to Europe or we'd be traveling to Africa? And not only us, but our young people, our teenagers, going on these missions teams. It's a whole different day. Last uh, uh, January, February, um, I was invited to go to Honduras and, and we were scoping out a project for our district. And... Uh, 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 they told, uh, Mike, Mike Brown told me, he said, well, we're going to go uh, up the river in canoes and we're going to go into the jungle. And so I'm thinking, he knows I'm old. Um, so, you know, just a little canoe trip, jump on the bank, wave at the camera. Oh, no, we went in the jungle. <laughs> 
And we, we traveled for three hours in a motorized canoe. This thing's 45 feet long. And up the river we went, and then we, we got into the jungle, and we started hiking over mountains and down valleys and through ravines and all this kind of stuff. And about two, three hours into this, I'm drenched, I'm panting, I'm hurting, and I'm saying, oh, God, I wish I'd have gone to the gym. I wish I'd have gone to the gym. <laughs> and so we spent several days in the, uh, in the jungle in Honduras uh, uh, just uh, connecting with the the, the indigenous church there it was a wonderful experience. I'll tell you what, we have brothers and sisters all around the world. And it's the coolest thing is, is, is we get to these places and we don't even speak the same language. But we have the same spirit. And these wonderful, wonderful Hondurans. And, and, and what a day. But folks, missions is more than world missions. So we have that expression, AG World Missions. Then we have AG US Missions, and that's the United States. And so we have people who are, who are serving Jesus in, in urban areas. Well, I'd call it the urban jungle. I've been there. That's more scary than Honduras, I'm telling you. And, and clear up to Alaska and into the Dakotas and into Arizona with Native Americans. And there's all kinds of different expressions of missions. But folks, that's not all that missions is, whether it be foreign or to culture groups. God has called every one of us to participate in his mission. And wouldn't it be a shame for us to reach India or to reach Africa or to reach Central America. Wouldn't it be a shame to reach those people and forget about the people in North Union Township? Or forget about the people in Connellsville or Dunbar or Brownsville or you put a label on it. It would be a shame for us to give of our heart and our means and not touch the people who live across the street or that work in another building at the plant, or all those different places. You know, God's called you, my friend, to be on mission. And so think about the people on your street, or the people on the next block, or the people in your town, and the people in our community. And they're, they're out there, friends, by the thousands. John's focus, John the Baptist's focus in this passage this morning was simple. There's a message for the church in John's life and ministry because it's what we should focus on as well. Forty years. Every now and again we need to recalibrate. We need to hit the reset button. We need to refocus. That's what we're going to do this morning. John's first focus was Jesus, the Lamb of God, is Redeemer. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the gospel right there. The Lamb of God was the focus of Israel's story. I'm sure that when John saw Jesus coming, his brain, his spirit paired Jesus with the Old Testament expression of the Passover Lamb. That's what he's talking about. He's looking at a man and calling him a lamb. Behold, here he is, the lamb of God. It's like God opened up the book and showed him the whole story in that one moment. 
Without a doubt, John's referring to the Passover lamb from Exodus. Exodus chapter 12, verse 21, it says, Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. How prophetic is that? You shall. You shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that's in the basin, strike the lintel, top of the door frame, and the two doorposts with the blood that's in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians' judgment. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house to destroy you. What a good news message that was to the children of Israel. I'm sure that when John identified Jesus of Nazareth who was coming to be baptized and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, this is what he was thinking about. This is the Lamb that's going to be killed. The blood of the Passover Lamb is going to be applied to the door of our heart. The destroyer is going to pass us by. That's called salvation. The sacrificial lamb predated this Exodus account, but this is where it became firmly embedded in Israel's story. So year after year after year, the Israelites would observe Passover. And they would tell the story of redemption over and over and over again. They were not only telling about what happened in the past, they were telling about, they didn't know it, but they were telling about what was going to happen in the future. It was both historic and prophetic. It was their story. And folks, their story is our story. Their story was our story foretold. The Lamb of God has to remain the centerpiece to your story and mine. Do you remember the day he came into your heart? Maybe it came, he came into your heart a couple times. Because some of us it was instantaneous and other times for some of us it was kind of process, right? But you'll remember that season. you remember that day. And it needs to stick and it needs to stay. And every now and again, we need to go back and refocus on who I am as an individual, who I am as a, as a believer. I can remember, uh, I, was, I was about 15 years old and my family went to church one Sunday and we were sitting there and at the end of the sermon, I don't know what the preacher preached about that day. I just remember all the people in this service were weird. Number one, they clapped hands. That was weird. Number two, they wore leisure suits. That was weird. Number three, they seemed glad to be in church. That was weird. And the pastor said, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and we're gonna, you can invite Jesus into your heart today. Raise your hand if you want to invite him. And I remember, it was almost like something took over. I just had to raise my hand. The next thing he did was call us down to the altar and we did that and we've knelt and prayed and boy, I remember that day. That, has, that is the center of my life. 
And of course, I'm a preacher, and so it makes sense from a career point of view, but I, I believe that if God had taken me down some other track, I, I was interested in drafting and architecture, and that was the path I was on at that moment. I, I believe that if, if I'd have continued down that track, I'd be an architect loving Jesus every day of my life. It doesn't matter what your vocation is or what your avocation is. What matters is who's at the center of your life. Behold the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. And every month, many Protestant churches gather together once a month to repeat the story of redemption in what we call communion, right? And it's, it's really a Passover celebration of a New Testament sort. We find it in Matthew 26, 26, as they were eating. Who? It was the disciples. Eating what? The Passover meal. Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to the disciples, said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks. That always amazes me. That just knocks me off my feet. Because the cup represented the cross, the shed blood, the whipping, the scourging. This is my blood, but he gave thanks. It was like he was saying to the Father, I'm so thankful that I get to die on the cross tomorrow. What kind of love is that? He gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, Drink from it all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And I say to you that I will not drink from the fruit of this vine from now on until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. There's three things about this act of communion in our story. Number one, it's a reflection. Number two, it's a proclamation. And number three, it's an anticipation. It's a reflection. Do this in remembrance of me. It does our soul good to eat the bread, drink the cup. This is my story. This is my song. It's a reflection. Secondly, it's a proclamation. Every time we, we take those elements of communion, we're proclaiming the Lord's death. We're proclaiming the salvation experience. And number three, it's an anticipation. Jesus said, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This world's like a clock and it's winding down. One of these days, Jesus is going to come again. And so there's that anticipation, looking forward to his coming. John proclaimed Jesus the Redeemer. Let me ask us, folks, are we? John proclaimed, here's the Lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. He was pro that was his focus. Is that our focus? How do we do that? Well, we, we, we proclaim Jesus as Savior by our words, by our witness. I remember a pastor sharing with me about his son. Little Philip was eight years old, and he asked his bus driver one day on the way home from school, does Jesus live in your heart? Hardly confrontational, but it wigged out the bus driver. And the bus driver got this kid's parents 
said your little guy asked me if Jesus lived in my heart. Why did he do that? And so the parents said to Philip, who's now a pastor, surprise, Philip, why did you do that? Here's what Philip said as an eight-year-old. The Holy Spirit tickled my heart. Folks, when was the last time the Holy Spirit tickled your heart? We do it with our words, proclaiming and focusing Jesus as Redeemer. We proclaim it with our attitudes. How many of you know attitudes are sometimes as important as actions, right? How many people have been won to Jesus because somebody had a bad attitude? Not many. That's a short list, I can tell you. Through words, through attitudes, and through actions. I I was sharing this morning in first service uh, a a recollection uh, that comes back to faith assembly. Um, I I was going home. We lived in Hopwood at the time, and I was stopping by the Hopwood florist there and uh, getting Robin some flowers because it's what I do. <laughs> Usually after I do something stupid, you know, and so, <laughs> so I'm stop and I stop and I you know get some well and she says who you know who are you where you live what do you do as she's fixing a bouquet of flowers and I. As a pastor, sometimes I have to confess, we try to keep that whole pastor thing on the down low because, number one, sometimes it just gets in the way of conversations. But I let the cat out of the bag. I pastor Faith Assembly uh, in Union Church. She said, you mean that church on Morgantown Road? Here we go. (laughs) Yeah. She goes, well, I want to tell you about one of your members. Oh, and she said, uh, uh, she said, I was, I was uh, in a hurry, taking my kids to school on a rainy day. Didn't have time to, you know, change. And so I'm doing this in my pajamas. And I get a flat tire. And she said, uh, I'm sitting there wondering what I'm going to do because it's a rainy day and I'm in my pajamas. And somebody taps on the window and said, I'll take care of it for you. And she said, this guy changed my tire and then tapped on my window again and said, you're good to go. And I tried to give him some money. And he wouldn't take it. He just said, just give it at church next Sunday. Go to church. And then she invited me to your church. And his name was Bobby Jordan. And Bobby did a great thing. You know, he proclaimed Jesus that day in a way that interfaced with her present need and experience, and she carried that. I was just glad to get a happy report. You know, that was a, it was a good day for me, too. You know, friends, those actions, you need to couple it with words because we have to explain the hope that is inside of us. But this is the focus. Everywhere we go, everyone we meet, somewhere along the way, whether they live across the street or the back fence or you meet them at the grocery store, whatever it might be, let Jesus be our focus. Let him be the center of our story and then share our story with other people so he can change their story. Amen? 
The second focus for John in this short passage of Scripture is Jesus, the Lamb of God, is baptizer. I find this very unique. Of all the things John could have talked about Jesus... You know, like he's the creator of the world. In John chapter 1, the apostle John said that, you know, by him all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made. And Jesus, by his words, created this vast universe. And this he, could have gone into, he could have gone into Jesus as the creator. Or Jesus as the timeless one. But what does he do? He, he focuses on Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Redeemer. And the second thing is Jesus is the Lamb of God, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. What is up with that? And I want to ask this question of us this morning because here we are, we're in a Pentecostal church where the Holy Spirit is welcome and we're open to that. What does being baptized in the Holy Spirit in the 21st century look like? Another way of asking this question is what does it look like to be immersed? We say baptized in the Holy Spirit, but the word baptized in the Greek here is, uh, is the word baptizio. And baptizio was a word that was actually used in the textile industry. It was used among cloth makers when they would make a garment and they would want to dye it to another color. They would dye it. They would put it in a bowl or a basin of dye and they would soak it. They would immerse it. And then the dye would infiltrate all the fibers of the fabric and change the color. And the word for that process was baptizio. You might recognize that Greek word from my big fat Greek wedding. You remember the dad? And he was telling the fiance that he was going to get baptized in the Greek church. And he says, the Greek word for baptizes baptizio. And when I heard that, I said, he's right. That's he got, yeah, of course, that is what it means. So what does it mean, this being baptized? You see, John, here's the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. And secondly, he baptizes the redeemed in the Holy Spirit. There are two things about that that I just want to touch on this morning. First of all, this baptism of the Holy Spirit is a powerful experience. It's powerful Jesus made that clear in Acts 1.8. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. See, it was supposed to be a powerful verbal witness. It's supposed to help us along in that, in that area. You know, our culture in America was one time a Christian culture. It's not that way anymore. There's antagonism now. There's a spiritual battle that is taking place. A lot of people don't realize that one of the first acts of Congress was to designate taxpayer money to get Bibles for the Native Americans. Apparently, our founding fathers had not yet been introduced to the ACLU. A couple of years ago in our neck of the woods in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, 
some students were bringing their Bibles to school and they were told they could not do that. So a a, a, a legal battle ensued and, and eventually the students were permitted to do that because it's their right to do it. But I say that to say there's now an antagonism in our culture. If ever we needed baptizio, it's now. We need a spirit-empowered, spirit-enabled witness. Whether in the schools or the workplace or the neighborhood, t-ball league or soccer, wherever it is, we need God's help. And the good news is God says, I got that covered. I got that. It's a powerful experience. It gives us a bold witness. Secondly, it builds the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is the handbook for Pentecostal expression. And Paul said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And he goes on to talk about the difference between speaking in tongues and prophecy. You see, we need this for our own sake and good. And it certainly needs to be uh, uh, conducted in a way that is both biblically oriented and culturally relevant. We don't have time to unpack all that today. But the third thing that this baptizio, baptism of the Holy Spirit does, is it provides spiritual intimacy between us and God. Verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 14 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds himself up. Last week we were, we were in a little family crisis. It was a physical thing and One of our kids was just fearful of a diagnosis. I'll tell you what, our life can change when the telephone rings. What do you do when everything around you becomes uncertain and your safety and your security are threatened? One of the realities is in this thing we call the faith, we are not insulated and exempt from hard days. It's a reality. What do we have then if if our faith doesn't insulate us from bad days and bad diagnoses? I'll tell you what we have. It's this promise where Jesus said, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Those promises are so precious to my soul. And, and in, that, in that moment when this doctor's report was hanging out there, which you know a doctor's report then necessitates more tests, those kinds of things. What do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You run into the inner room. You kind of get on your knees and you get on your face and it's somewhere between asking and begging. And you plead. I'm happy to report that the matter resolved favorably. 
thank God, I try to prepare my soul for the times when I'm not going to get a yes when I want. But how do you prepare your soul? Baptizio is one of those preps. It's when I go in and I begin to pray in the prayer language that the Holy Spirit has given me and and that intimacy in those moments, wow. They're game changers. They're day changers. It's not a one and done either because it's probably going to be tomorrow I'm going to need to get back in there. John the Baptist, look at what his focus is. Here's the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins. He's a redeemer. Here's the Lamb of God. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So it's a powerful experience, but it's also, friends, it's a practical expression. What do you mean by that? Well, a Spirit-filled life will also generate spirit uh, uh, produce. You know what I mean by produce, right? You go to the supermarket, and there's the produce department. Uh, the produce department really needs to be right next to the candy aisle. I think that would work really well. Um, but but uh, there, there's similarities there, because like produce is sweet, candy is sweet. Um, my, my, uh, uh, my sister sent me something for my birthday. She sent me produce. All right. A fruit tray. It's nice. Dipped in chocolate. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Called an edible arrangement. Yeah, that edible went away in like two hours. Jesus being in our heart and the Holy Spirit being in our life, life is supposed to produce something, right? And Paul identifies that in Galatians 5.22. He says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine fruit of the Spirit. And so when I'm full of Jesus, this stuff is supposed to just be produced as a result of my relationship with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit having come into my heart and life. Let me ask you, friends, how's the produce department doing in your life? And when when we hear sometimes about love, joy, peace, we're like, yeah, I'll take more love. Joy, yeah, give me some more of that. Peace, I'll take a double portion of that. But you know, The reality is, is the fruit of the Spirit is not only supposed to be what happens in us, it's supposed to be what happens through us. So not only do I get to have greater feelings of being loved, but because Jesus lives in my life, other people around me are supposed to feel that love of God also. Not only am I supposed to feel joy as a result of being in the faith, but the people around me are also supposed to experience joy because I'm in their life. Hey, how's that going? And what about peace? I used to laugh at the, at the saying is, is when some people come home, the kids hide in the closet and the dog gets under the bed. It should be different with us, amen? 
By this will all know that you're my disciples, Jesus said. That you love one another. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Let's bring this in for a landing. Jesus redeemed us. He redeemed us. This is our story. Internally, we celebrate it. Externally, we proclaim it. We've had 40 good years. Can you say amen? Amen. But the best is yet to come. I want to encourage us as a church family. Let's track with John the Baptist. Two very simple foci. One is what Jesus does in us. He redeems us. We need to make that our story for others. Secondly, Jesus baptizes us in the, in the Spirit. Internally, we posture ourselves to being filled. Externally, we produce fruit for the benefit of others. May faith assembly in this next season produce this kind of rich fruit in Fayette County. Uniontown, North Union Township, South Union Township, and, and up and over the mountains. Amen. Let's pray. So we thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness to us. We thank you, Jesus, that you're our Redeemer and you're our Baptizer. You have saved us and you fill us with your Spirit. Keep filling us, I pray. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here today who doesn't have a personal relationship with Christ, that this day would be a turning point. This day would be a day where such a one would say, I want to, I want to have Jesus in my heart and in my life. I want to have the fruit of the Spirit growing in and out of me. Lord, would you reach into that life and bring them to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor.